Father, thank you for this awesome day, this beautiful, gorgeous day that you've given us, this springtime, this uh, Palm Sunday to come and meet together, your children, in this wonderful place that you've given us to come and worship you and to serve you. We thank you for your precious word, the seed of your word, Lord, cause it to take root in our hearts and grow up and bear fruit in our lives that we might be a help to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is Palm Sunday. We don't uh, get hung up on dates and days and things like that because we're free, amen? But this is what is commonly referred to as Palm Sunday. This is the... uh, the marks the day that uh, Jesus uh, rides the donkey into Jerusalem. Amen. Starting the this following week, which is known as Passion Week, where the Lord so passionately uh, was dedicated and committed to fulfilling His destiny, which culminated in His crucifixion on the cross. On what we know as Easter Sunday, which, uh, well, Good Friday, and then on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. Amen. So this next week is really exciting. If you, there's nothing wrong with uh, thinking on those things. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to do it all year long, but, but uh, it's just a special time when we really can keep the Lord in our hearts and magnify Him and all the things that He's done for us and just kind of walk with Him and, and uh, spend extra time in prayer and, and meditation on His goodness and His Word and His amazing salvation that's provided for us. Amen? I guess we'll just read a little bit about that so that, uh, so that we know what we're talking about. There's a great account in Matthew chapter 21. Starting at the first verse, or the second verse. Well, the first verse, actually. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying. Say to the daughter of Zion. Behold your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. And put on them their cloaks. And on, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. They were palm trees, and that's why we call it Palm Sunday. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple 
And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. This is the second time he did this. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Praise God. You know, those same people that were praising him and honoring him as the chosen Messiah as he entered into Jerusalem that week. Just a, just a few days later, the same people that were shouting for him to be crucified. The people were looking for a, an earthly savior, a military savior, a political savior. And what he was, was a spiritual savior. Which is the primary need of everyone ever born in this world. But unfortunately when we live by sight and not by faith. We focus on the things that we can see. The things that we think we need and want here in this life. Instead of focusing on the bigger picture of our real home in heaven with Jesus. And it's a snare. Notice that it said that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus has provided for everything that we need in this life. And healing is one of those things. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is good. In Matthew chapter 8, just a little while earlier, again, starting at the first verse, I just says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now pay attention to that. This leper said, Lord, if you're willing. If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Now, the reason that I point that out quickly today is because I want you to understand something. That leper was not unrighteous in asking Jesus if he was willing to heal him. He didn't have this Bible like we do today, but we do. And Jesus is no respecter of persons. That's what it says in Romans 2.11. And it also says in the word that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. My point is this, a precedent was set here. If the man, if he was willing for this leper to be cleansed, then he's willing For you to be cleansed. Amen. Or healed. Same yesterday, today and forever. Never changes his mind. It says. In the word that. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost. And with power. And he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And then again, he said in a place, I only do what I see my father do. The reason I'm saying these things is because it's it's important to understand that it's always God's will to heal. 
Jesus never made anybody sick. Did you ever see in the in the in the gospel of where he put any kind of punishment or judgment or sickness or disease upon anybody? No. He only took it away. And he's consistent. Matter of fact, they were accusing him of being of the devil in John chapter 10. And in the 10th verse, he said, no. The devil, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he was setting the record straight. You're blaming me. Just like people do today, they blame God for a lot of bad things. When people die, they say, well, God's ways are not like our ways. God needed another good person in heaven or God needed this young person in heaven. That's not true. Or no, he's trying to teach you something. You're going through this divorce or this sickness or this poverty because God's trying to teach you a lesson and and you'll grow stronger through this. No, that's not God who did that. Now, he will use those things to help you if he can, because he's working in all directions at all times to always do what's in your best interest if he's allowed. But it is the devil who puts sickness and disease and poverty and strife and bitterness and separation of relationships and all these ugly things into people's lives. It's not God. It's so imperative that the Christian understands this if we want to walk in the divine power and authority that God has given us in this life. Why is it so important to know that it's good God, bad devil? Not bad God sometimes and sometimes good God, but we just don't understand when or why. That's a trick of the devil to get you thinking like that. Because if you think God's the one that did something to you, then why would you fight to get out of it? Some of these people, religious people, still think these things today. They'll say, well, I don't know. God has just put this sickness upon me. He's teaching me something. I say, are you taking medication? Yeah. Why? You backslider. You think God did it to you. Why are you trying to get over it? (laughs) You get my point? God's not the one who does bad things. The devil is. God loves us and he wants us healed, happy, healthy, whole. He's provided for our physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual well-being. And we need to learn how to appropriate those things that are provided by grace, by faith. Got a little ahead of myself and that's okay. But the important thing to know is that the doctor is in. He's willing. He's able And he's already actually provided for our healing as well as lots of other things. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, with his stripes, we are healed. He was speaking of our physical healing, the physical healing of our bodies. Jesus provided both physical healing as well as the forgiveness for our sins. Lots of scriptures mention healing in conjunction with the forgiveness of sins. As a matter of fact. But the point here today is that healing is as much a part of our salvation as the forgiveness of our sins is. So it's important that we release our faith to appropriate these things. It's interesting to me that people will believe they trust God for their eternal salvation, but they don't trust him for their day to day needs. And I think a lot of it has to do with wrong teaching. 
wrong, a lack of understanding of what's been provided by the atonement. The things that transpired in this next week of Christ's life through the resurrection and enthronement of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus never refused to heal anyone, like I said, and he's not going to refuse today. He said he couldn't do anything of himself, but only what his father does. And so we're going to begin to learn and to focus on these things over the weeks to, to, so that we know, so that we're prepared and we're informed about all the things that the Lord has provided and given us, all the things that we've inherited, our, our uh, inheritance in Christ, as it were, as children of God. So that we're not deceived by the devil. And we know what to believe for and what not to believe for. Amen? Amen. You, can't, you can't believe and receive past the grace of God. And so we need to know what has been provided by the grace of God. Because it is through faith that we appropriate the things provided by grace. I think that might be better. I think that was said right. So there are certain things that Jesus suffered and died and rose from the dead to provide us with. And there's things that he did not. For instance, he did die for our sins so that we would not ever have to pay for them. Isn't that good? Because no matter how little bitty the sin is, in God's eyes, we're no... No better off than the man who did terrible, terrible things. Because he said the punishment for all sin is death. But the gift of God in Christ is salvation. So, and eternal life. So this is a, a blessing. So we don't ever get into the place where we think we have to be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. Because he's provided it. Because Jesus is good, not because we're good. And we put our trust in what Jesus has done for us instead of what we can do to earn it. Amen? <clears throat> he took our sicknesses. He took our diseases so that we can walk in health. Mark eight seventeen. Jesus was at Peter's house one night, if you remember. And it was early in his ministry. And it says here, when evening came... They brought to, to him, to Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. There are many, many people, amazing ministers who have come and gone and some who are still alive. But they believe that all sicknesses of the devil. And I really lean towards that myself. Old Smith Wigglesworth, he used to punch people in the gut and knock them off the stage, and they were always healed when he did it. And they said, why are you so rough on the Christians for? He said, I'm not. I'm hard on the devil. If the people get in the way, that's, that's not my fault. And he meant it, and he saw a lot of people raised from the dead, healed of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And you know, God has never changed. It's just... How much we esteem God. The, what, the more we magnify the truth of God's promises. Instead of the, the situations and circumstances of this world. Then the more we're going to draw on the spiritual authority that we have in Christ. And we're going to see these things come to pass in our lives. And I know it's hard. Because this world is 
always competing for your time and attention. And that's uh, the ploy of the enemy. A lot of times when we think we don't have time to do one more thing in a day, what we really need to do is just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him which things we're doing that he really didn't ask us to do. They might be good things. Not everything that's good is from God. Because we're not here to be the savior of the world. We're here to do, to fulfill the plan that God has written for us. Amen. And he has lots of good things for us to do. But really he cares more about you than what you can do for him. So the most important thing is to spend time with the Lord. And to develop your personal relationship with him. Because when you know him, then you'll recognize the enemy when he tries to come too. And you'll only, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. So when you get so close to Jesus that you really just know him, you know his word, his promises, his truth. Then when that stranger danger comes, you say, no, no, that's not Jesus. And I'm not following that. I'm not doing that. Isaiah 53, 4 says, He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him, and afflicted. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, He Himself bore our sins on His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. This is talking about physical healing. And that's why I mentioned that scripture in... In uh, in Peter and uh, no in Matthew because it says that he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were were ill. This is definitely talking about physical healing. But sometimes the people will attribute to uh, Isaiah fifty three to a spiritual uh, answer. Oh yes, he healed us, but it's all spiritual. No, this is showing that it was a physical healing that was intended as well as the spiritual goes back to a Greek word called sozo, which is an overall well-being, physically, mentally, uh, financially, naturally, and spiritually in every way. Sozo. It's just like shalom, peace. He became poor also that we might be rich. And I'm going to do a message or two on on finances pretty soon because the Lord... Needs us to have complete understanding and revelation. You know, he needs the lights to go on and all these things regarding especially the vision of this house, which is to heal, empower, love and prosper. And so we have to receive these things. We have to know the truth of God's words regarding these things so that we can help others to to walk in victory in these areas as well. And uh, I think that God has given me a pretty good understanding of these things over the years. And uh, I'm excited to, to continue to share that with all of you and all who will come in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And again, when he was hanging there, suspended between heaven and earth, no clothes, no money. Father had turned his back on him temporarily. The world had turned against him. He didn't have a home or a place on heaven, in heaven or on earth. 
He was totally rejected and impoverished. He did that so that you wouldn't have to. And this provides for natural um, financial blessings as well as spiritual. Amen. So if Jesus did all this for you, then you have a great life ahead of you. Amen. Doesn't that stand to reason? That if Jesus died to provide all these things for you, then you really should have a wonderful, prosperous, healthy, emotionally fit, spiritually fit life ahead of you. Amen? Amen. He's provided for everything we need to walk in the abundant life of an overcomer. So we're blessed. We have an inheritance in Christ. And we're children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, in this life, Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. He's talking about humility there. Give up brothers and sisters and children and farms. What is all that? I thought he loved family and he loves relation. He does. But he's being real here like he always was. Luke 12, verses 49 through 53, Jesus said, It's not peace that I've come to bring to the earth, but division. The world is going to take sides. When it comes to the things of, about Jesus Christ, Him being the Son of God, providing salvation through His death and resurrection, people are going to take sides. The spirit of Antichrist is rampant in this world right now. Now, there will be an Antichrist, this person, right? This deceiver in the book of Revelation. But John said, this, many Antichrists have already come and many are still coming. What it is, when you look around in the world, you don't see, especially in our country with all this liberal... Uh, nonsense and political correctness, which is really just a, a spirit of antichrist. If you want to know the truth, you don't see uh, you don't see a spirit of anti-Muslim. You don't see a spirit of anti-agnostic um, or anti-Hindu um, or anti-Buddhist. You don't see any of that. What you see is the spirit of antichrist. They get freak out when you mention Christ. Why is that, I wonder? I mean, this isn't like some of those crazy ideologies out there that would have people to kill one another and things like that. No. Jesus said we're not, we're not ever to kill anyone. As long as there's breath in their life, we have hope for them to be, to be saved and to come to know the, and put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it's only good. And he is the God of love. And I mean, he may, he's not always going to agree with your lifestyle and become what you want him to be because he knows that that opens doors to the devil and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But it doesn't mean he doesn't love. He's the God of love. So why would they hate him? It's the spirit of Antichrist. They're deceived. They're deceived. And so in this world, people are going to take sides. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but division. The world is going to take sides. Be prepared and stay close to Jesus. Remember that message I preached a couple of weeks ago? Don't allow space between you and the Lord. Because space brings room for temptation. And the enemy's always going to take advantage of that space. And he's going to try to widen the gap. How come Jesus always uses these analogies of sheep and wolves? Because a sheep, a sheep, uh, a, a flock of sheep, they stay huddled together, don't they? They stay close together. And when the wolf comes to try to get one of them, he looks for one that strays away from the flock and gets by himself. That's just a, a great spiritual picture of people. And what we do when we tend to allow the enemy to come into our minds, because this is where the... This is where the enemy does his, his deeds. He whispers in our ears and he does things like to try to bring on demonic things in our lives like depression, um, addiction, and, and sin of all sorts of things that tend to drive us not to God but away. Because we get, he wants to, then he'll start to try to make us feel condemned, rejected, alone, and all these things tend to drive us to our, to our shell, away and this is where the enemy can come and get you. That's why, that's why it's so important to know that God is not the bad guy. God is not the one that brings these things, these bad things on people to teach them lessons. God uses his word as a disciplinarian. He doesn't need to use the devil. The devil is the one who hates us and wants to kill us and bring all sorts of bad things into our life. It's imperative that we know that Jesus is always good, always loving, always caring, so that when we get into these binds, when we get into these places where we're not exactly thinking right or doing right, we will run to God and not from God because he's the one that has all the answers and all the help. He's the one who says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. And then that's where our peace will come when we get rid of all of our worries and stinking thinking and give it over to him and just put our trust back in him where it belongs. Then he's going to provide peace for us and also begin to take care of all those things. As we magnify him, all our gigantic problems are going to be shrunk down to the proper size and we're going to see him as the big and mighty God who loves us and provides for us and these little things will just tend to fall away. Welcome, welcome, come in, come in. And so nevertheless, we, uh, we want to magnify the Lord. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus loosed a woman with a spirit of infirmity. I had a few other examples here, but I think I'm going to skip right to... Um, my last point here today. So go with me over to John chapter 5. The gospel of John. Not the letters or the epistles in the back. But the gospel of John. With this right after Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And chapter 5. Which is the number for grace. Amen. Also happens to be my birthday. Five, five, the youngest of five, and God marked my whole life up with grace, 
like had to really talk me into believing it. Amen. <laughs> but now I've got it and he's good. He loves us. Amen. I want to look just for a moment at this. And I want us to really be honest with ourselves. And I really want this to go into our hearts so that we're realistic about the things of God. Because I'm standing here telling you all the wonderful things that God has provided that are yours as your inheritance as children of God. This healing and prospering and mental wellness and spiritual well-being, the forgiveness of all your sins and all these wonderful things that are definitely yours. They've already been done, already been provided for. And I know some of us are saying, yeah, well, where is it? You know, I don't want to, I don't want somebody from, uh, from some country in Africa sending me an email saying, oh, lucky you, this rich lady has written you a million dollar check and, uh, and all you need to do, uh, you know, it's part of your, she's died and left it to you. And all you have to do is give us your bank information. <laughs> I delete those. And I hope all of you do too, because they're what's known as a phishing scam. It's a con. And you're never going to get any of that. But when people tell me I have something coming, I say, well, where is it? Just, just give it to me and that'll be fine. <laughs> if it's real, just give it to me. And I know that's what we do to Jesus too. And it's so important that we begin to understand that it's a relationship. It's a partnership. There are, There is a part for us to play. And by playing that part to receive the things of God, it doesn't put us into works. It's still grace. But it's our faith that appropriates the things that are provided by grace. And when we're not walking in faith, when we're not walking after the Spirit, which is walking in agreement with the, the Word of God, the promises of God, the provision of God, then it makes it very hard for us to appropriate those things which God very much wants us to have. Amen? John chapter 5, verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, listen to that, isn't that interesting? That tells us that it's, that's, this is our place, this is a place for us, amen? A pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, isn't that interesting? So this is a, um, a place um, that is uh, by type and shadow, it's called the Sheep Gate, so that tells us, because we are God's the sheep of the Lord's pasture. This is a place for us. So we need to really pay attention. And it's f- covered by five por- covered colonnades. So there's, there's no minced words in the word of God. Everything's there for a reason. And so it's covered by the grace of God. Amen. And this place where the sheep go is covered by the grace of God. And let's see what they say here. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, that's an interesting question to ask somebody, isn't it? Especially someone in that terrible of a condition who can't walk and he's been hurt and laying there for 38 years. And for someone just to come and say, do you even want to be well? That would seem like an insult almost. 
But Jesus never insulted anyone with the intent of being mean to him. He was out to help this man. Let's see what happened. The sick man answered him, Sir, look, he started making excuses. He didn't answer yes or no. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Nobody will help me. And when I try to help myself, they hinder me. They're cutting in line. And Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Praise God. You know, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a powerful message here. But it's important that we understand that Jesus wasn't trying to be mean to this guy. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't asking a rhetorical question which didn't even need an answer. He really wanted the man to answer him. He wanted the man to think about this. He had been laying there for a long time. And he needed to make a decision. Because if he, if he heals him, he's going to have to get up. He's going to have to pick up his mat. He's going to have to walk. And now he's going to have to go get a job. He's going to have to go and fend for himself while he's laying there these 38 years. People were bringing him food. People were feeling sorry for him. He didn't have to answer to anybody for anything. And you know, after a while, you can get used to that. You can really start to depend on that. I know a lot of people who have sicknesses and they have come to identify themselves by these sicknesses. As a matter of fact, if you meet them for the first time, it'll only be a couple of minutes talking to them before you'll find out they have this sickness. You know why? Not because it's visible. Because they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you. They have found a way to slide it into the conversation. And I'm here to tell you now, there's really no reason for that except for these things I'm talking about. They've come accustomed to it. They, Whether they know it or not, I'm not saying they're intentionally just motivated by bad things, but they... They, they know that that garners them some special treatment, some attention, some sympathy, and they've incorporated that crutch into their lives. And they're not really always ready to throw it down. That's why when people come and they have sickness, they need to be prayed for. I don't like it when people just jump up and gather around and start doing things. And I just, I need time and space with these people because I need to know what their mindset is first. Because, you know, there was a, what is that woman's name? Was such a great woman of God. She was really strange, though. She would flutter about on the stage and she wore these flowing gowns. And, oh, I can't think of her name right now. But nevertheless, she, her ministry, she saw people healed time after time after time. Great things happened in her ministry. Andrew Womack, who is a great uh, friend of ours and of this church, he, he says that he went to one of her meetings one time with the intention of disproving her. 
This is before he really had been filled with the, the Holy Spirit and began to walk in these divine things himself. But he said this is just weird. And he was going to watch and to see what he thought about this woman who was healing everybody. And he said she was weird. She was really weird. She just fluttered around and, and she spoke like in the queen, like like uh, like one of those. I know you're talking about Yeah, I'll think of it. <laughs> but nevertheless, he, he was watching her. But he, he went and he volunteered and he was helping. And so he actually, there was like one man that he carried who came in a wheelchair and he had to help to carry him down the aisle and they carried the, 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 somebody else got the wheelchair and then he put him back in it when he got down there because there was like steps and before they had all these uh, mandatory uh, access and all that. And he said, this guy was nothing but skin and bones and he can't re- even realize how the man was still alive. But when he... He said he, he he probably weighed 70 pounds. He said he knew that this man was just barely alive. And he carried him, put him down there. And he said before the end of the service, that man was running up and down the aisles and he was completely restored and made whole. And he said, that's real. And he knew it. And he knew then it wasn't anything to do with the person, this woman. It had nothing to do with the anointing she had. didn't have anything to do with her her attributes or her, her ways or her personality. It was just that she was sold out to God. And matter of fact, one of the quotes that she's famous for saying is, you want to know how much it'll cost you, the anointing? Because people would always go, of course, ministers want to go, no, how do you do this? I want to do that, right? She said, you know, it'll cost you everything. Everything. It's going to cost you everything. In other words, that's what salvation really should be. And there's a, there's a, you know, Billy Graham says himself, he believes that 70, 80, maybe more, Maybe even a larger percentage of those that are in church every Sunday uh, are not really even saved. They never, they might have said a prayer, they might have got baptized, but they never really had an encounter with God. They never really made a commitment to sacrifice their life and let Him live through them. And that's really what salvation is. It's all about relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so the point is that there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of people who who get healed, but she said uh, that ninety ninety five percent of the people that were healed, and because there were always hundreds of people who were actually physically healed, and it wasn't a fake thing; it was a real thing. But they lost their healing over time, and she never understood why. And I know a lot of ministers like that, but it. But it happens that way because a lot of times, because God is always wanting to heal us. God always wants to provide us. God, all the things provided by the grace of our Lord Jesus are always in place. They're always there for us. But we're not always in position to receive. You see, it's not like, oh, if I do this, God's not going to do this for me. That's the wrong thing to say, and it's the wrong way to see it or understand it. It says it really says you don't understand because everything God's done for us, it never changes. It's always there. It's always yours. Everything God has is ours, and everything Jesus died to provide is always there. It's always turned on, never turned off because of God. What we do, we position taking ourselves out of position. We don't stand in faith, but we get carnal. We become worldly and sometimes just the day-to-day life will do that you know if we don't find time to go be with the lord or to pray in the spirit or to get in the word and do the things that we need to do 
we get disconnected and it just automatically happens. Other times we, we tend to just, you know, step by step, we get further and further away from God. But when, and then when we open doors for the enemy, he comes in. And once we allow the open doors for the enemy, he comes in and he tries to fortify those positions. And he makes it more and more difficult for us to get back to God. However, it's important to know that God is, the, is good. He's always good. He never turns it off. It's always there. So when we start thinking we're in trouble with God and that's why these things aren't happening for us, no. It's never God. And you say, well, that just makes me feel worse. Because now, now you know, I might feel condemned. No, it's, it's an opportunity. <laughs> if it's God, I don't have any control over Him. If it's me, I can fix that. Amen. Because I'm not, I'm free now. Because I have Jesus. So there's no spirit of iniquity. There's no satanic thing holding me. So it's just some choices I've made. I just need to repent. I need to get my mind right and run back to God. Agree with Him about this thing and this thing and this thing. All these other things I'm already in agreement with Him about. That's cool. Just a little off here, here, and here. And I'm just going to line myself up with God. And it's going to, where I've cut that Spick it off. I'm going to open it wide back open. And this thing I'm going to start receiving with joy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you feel it today? God loves us. And he wants us to have all the things that he has died to provide us with. And part of that journey to get to the place where we walk in victory in all the areas of our life is just a proper understanding. Of what's happening there. And what's happening in the spiritual reality. The spiritual world that is around us is more real than the world we see. It actually created this world. You see. And so to have a better understanding of the spiritual aspect of our life. Because we are spirit. With a soul. Riding around in a body. And we tend to magnify the body. And the soul, we kind of get that, but we don't have any idea of the spiritual aspect. Some people say they do, but they don't. And what they do, but their spiritual activities is really inviting demons and demonic activity into their lives. The real spiritual person that we are, we're going to find out only through the new covenant of this Bible. And concealed in the old covenant, but revealed now for us. You seek him, you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, next week is Easter. I look forward. I'm going to be praying all week for all of you and for all of those who will come. Invite some more people and and we've got great things in store for us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this amazing day. We thank you, Lord, that we are healed from head to toe, healthy and whole. Everyone here and everyone who will hear this message, we command all infirmity and sickness and disease to leave right now in the name of Jesus and never return. We speak to our bodies and we command them to be restored and made whole from head to toe as God intended. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to minister to our hearts and minds to help us see ourselves completely healed, whole, blessed, prosperous, and at peace with you and with man, finding favor with you and with man, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen.